Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Really appreciate you being here with us. Coming up on the program in the 10 o'clock hour, we're busy. Looking forward to conversations with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan starting at about 10.08 this morning. Congressman Jordan has been very, very busy. He was uh, talking to Chuck Todd yesterday on Meet the Press. Not exactly the friendliest of venues, but a place that you've got to go, I suppose, if you really want to be heard and you want to uh, uh, be able to, to talk to uh, somebody other than the Fox News audience. I give these guys credit. I do. I give them credit when they go into the belly of the beast, into the uh, uh, into the camp of the enemy behind the enemy lines, that sort of thing. And uh, Jim Jordan went there to speak with Chuck Todd and talk about uh, the ridiculous, reprehensible, rid- uh, I almost said ridiculous again, which would have been redundant. That the American left has put into his testimony. Congressman Jordan yesterday on uh, on Meet the Press really went at it with Chuck Todd, who is becoming emboldened, uh, his liberal self, his, oh, my goodness gracious, do I get Chuck Todd this week? Uh, I'm, I'm filling in for Hugh Hewitt on Wednesday, or excuse me, tomorrow and Wednesday. Um, I don't know if I get Chuck Todd. I so badly want to talk to Chuck Todd, and I won't get him on my show locally. I have to get him on the national show, and he does visit with uh, with uh, Hugh regularly. i got to find out from the handlers, from Generalissimo, and Danielle, if I get Chuck Todd, I've got to get myself a piece of Chuck Todd. Oh, he has become more and more emboldened, has uh, the liberal host of Meet the Press doing just absolute damage and shame, bringing shame to the legacy of some of the men, the honorable, responsible men who used to fill that chair on NBC's Meet the Press. And he's just an unbelievably blind partisan, the likes of which you have not seen. And... um uh, Congressman Jordan, like I said, uh, yesterday went into the belly of the beast, if you will, and listened to an even more emboldened Chuck Todd literally argue with him on behalf of Democrat talking points. Let me ask you this. Do you believe uh, Michael Cohen when he said there was no collusion with Russia? I believe a few things Michael Cohen said. Like he said in the hearing, my name is Michael Dean Cohen. I believe uh-huh. that. There's probably a few other things that we can prove. He said do you believe he's never been to Prague? He said that, and that's something you can verify. That, that You can okay. look at passports, you can look at travel. So that undermines this whole dossier, which, remember, was the basis for the whole crazy investigation to begin with. So That's not, uh, I mean, I, that, that isn't the facts. It's, they, a, it's a big it, fact. It, it is something that you we've, have. We've had this you, debate No, before. I understand. It's something that you believe, but it has not been proven. No, it's the lead thing they took to the FISA court to get the warrant to go spy on the Trump campaign. And, oh, by the way, it's paid for by the Clinton campaign. Even, it Come still on, never Chuck. was even proven when, Chuck, you, you, got, know that's the when case. you got these papers released to the public. You, you found out that the, that wasn't yes, the it truth. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And they didn't tell the court that the Clinton campaign paid. Never forget what happened there. The Clinton campaign paid the law firm Perkins Cooey, who hired Fusion GPS, who hired a foreigner. And what did that foreigner do? Talk to a couple you of Russians. Out the Repu- the, you left out the Republicans. Put this dossier whole, together that our thing. FBI used to go get the warrant to spy on the Let Trump campaign. See, Chuck Todd doesn't do this when he talks to his liberal demon rat guests. 
Chuck Todd allows them to spit lie after lie after lie after lie in the faces of the American people by way of their television screens. And he nods along accordingly. Congressman Jordan comes out there and brings the truth, which is all verifiable. That entire timeline that he talk, talked about, going all the way back to the law firm of Perkins Coie, uh, uh, hiring everyone, and, and he, t- he talks about it on a regular basis. He wants to make sure everybody remembers how the fake Trump dossier, which is just filled with misinformation, including Michael Cohen going to Prague to, to broker a deal with the he has uncovered were not facts and that they were not true simply amazing and this is what they do so i hope i get myself a piece of chuck todd who is one end of that conversation uh, i know i will have a conversation with uh, jim jordan who will be coming up at 1008 this morning and i'm looking forward to that uh also coming up uh, this morning a different kind of a conversation and a very important one. We're going to talk at 1035 with Dr. Robert Epstein about something that you probably have uh, been dealing with or at least have noticed. And we're going to talk about um, Google. And we're going to talk about the incredible dishonesty that is practiced by the massive tech titans and how they uh, how they can manipulate search results, manipulate your own personal information by way of social media and more. Uh, he talks about research ranking bias, autofill manipulation, other forms of censorship of conservatives online by the tech titans. He's one of the foremost experts on this with Google, Facebook, Twitter, and the rest. And Dr. Epstein is going to be giving a lecture actually in uh, on Friday with the Portage County Tea Party Speakers Bureau. So uh, Tom Z, our good friend Tom Z, uh, the uh, president and founder of the Portage County Tea Party, is going to be, he's bringing uh, Dr. Epstein in, and we're going to talk to the doctor coming up at 1035 this morning. As for this first hour, there's a host of stuff that we get to. Why is Jerry Nadler the ranking, not the ranking, rather he's the chair of the Judiciary Committee, the Democrat uh Led uh, Congress, of course, gets to gets to appoint their own uh, leadership of the committees, and Jerry Nadler is one of the reasons why I and so many others implored you to get out the vote and try to stop this Democrat takeover of of Congress of the House because the leadership positions would fall to the people like Jerry Nadler. We didn't get it done. Obviously, history kind of ran the you know ruled the day. And what I mean is, historically, of course, the president in power in his first midterm uh, election after he takes uh, takes over usually loses a bunch of seats to the opposition party. It's just kind of the way the pendulum swings. But I begged uh, you know, all of us to stop that from happening. I begged all of us to make sure that we get out there and stop it because of these kinds of things. Jerry Nadler, uh, one of the most reprehensible Democrats uh, in the Congress, and now, of course, the chair of the Judiciary Committee, announced this week, that he's going after President Donald Trump. Whatever it takes to get Donald Trump, he is going to do. The House Judiciary Committee now plans to seek documents and testimony from more than 60 people and organizations as it begins investigations into a random general description of... Excuse me. Of um, obstruction of justice and abuse of power by President Donald Trump. In other words, they have nothing specific to go after the president on. There is not anything that they could investigate that hasn't already been investigated by the Mueller investigation and the DOJ. And so they, now that they are in power, are going to spend the next two years trying to get Donald Trump impeached. 
It is literally that that simple. They want Donald Trump impeached. Now, Nadler was also on Meet the Press yesterday. Found a much more friendly and 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 uh, uh, welcoming environment from Chuck Todd, of course. And this is some of what he had to say to begin investigations to present the case to American people about uh, about obstruction of justice, uh, corruption, and uh, uh, abuse of power. So he's going to investigate obstruction of justice and abuse of power, abuse of power, which of course has already been investigated. Uh, but he is going to take this and put it on steroids. And why? Impeachment is a long way down the road. We don't we don't have the facts yet, um, but we're going to initiate uh, uh, proper investigations. We don't have the facts yet, but we're going to initiate quote proper investigations with the goal of what? Traveling down that path, the path that he said is a long way down the road which is impeachment. He said it again. We'll, we'll see about that. But, but we're, we're far from making decisions on that. Yeah, uh, I think Jerry Nadler wanted to impeach Donald Trump the day Donald Trump was inaugurated. I think Jerry Nadler is one of the most wide-eyed uh, uh, lunatics working in the Democrat Party, and that's why they chose him to chair the, the Judiciary Committee. And I think he knows exactly what this is all about. Now, why? Why launch this massive probe why, uh, oh, I'm sorry, he wasn't on Chuck Todd. Jerry Nadler was on ABC's This Week. I think I got my uh, morning shows mixed up, my Sunday morning shows mixed up. Doesn't matter, because it can pretty much run all the same. But why is he so, and are they so intent on finding something, such as obstruction of justice or abuse of power, to try to impeach Donald Trump? Here's why. There is a growing belief in many political circles, not just conservative circles, but in many political circles, that President Trump cannot be defeated by any, any of the declared um, candidates for the Democrats right now. And that Donald Trump in 2020 will not just win re-election, but will win by a landslide. Because the American people know that they are thriving. The American people know that they are in a much better place than they were back in the Obama-era years, and probably for the second half of the Bush term as well. I will tell you this. You know what I did this weekend? Actually, at the end of last weekend, I just found out over the weekend, I did my taxes. I did my taxes. I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you. But what I found, what I got, what I'm exhilarated about, is I found out that my tax bill dropped precipitously. Like so many other middle-class Americans, which is what I am, precipitously. See, I pay quarterlies. Some people pay, you know, regular payroll deduction or pay their taxes out of their weekly checks. But I, uh, um, I, I pay quarterly taxes. I estimate and pay ahead, so I kind of have an idea of what's going on. But I was paying on a much higher rate from the last two years of the Obama administration what my estimated quarterly taxes were. And when I found out how much my tax bill dropped, I had overpaid by a significant amount, and we're getting a refund. And I'm looking at that, and I talked to my tax guy, and I said, how? How come? And he said, Trump's lower tax rates. Here was the old rate. Here is the newer rate. Here is what the old tax bill was. Here is what the new tax bill is. And I'm thinking to myself, no wonder. You know, We talk about benefits. We talk about success stories. We talk about personal uh, advancement and achievement and, and benefit from some of President Trump's policies. And people say to us, how can you stand 
this about him or that about him, this about him or that about him. And I say, you know what? I can't. I can't stand some of these things about his personality, some of these tawdry things about his personal life, his sex life before he became president. Uh, you know, some of these things are really, really off-putting. There is no doubt about it. I can't stand the tweeting. I can't stand the tone. Most of the speeches are a little bit degrading. There are a lot of things I don't like. But why do I love the president? Why will I vote for the president again? I got a tax break. My neighbors got tax breaks. Every friend that I know that is also middle class. I asked them about their taxes, and they all got tax breaks. First of all, they're enjoying them as the year goes on through their just weekly deductions being lowered. But then, of course, uh, uh, at the uh, at fi- tax filing time, they get another break. Everybody's taxes went down. There are things that we don't have to like about a president, generally speaking. A president. No president is going to appeal to you 100%. I loved Ronald Reagan, and he didn't appeal to me 100%. I despised Bill Clinton, but I didn't despise 100% of him. There were some things I thought, all right. That's the way it is. And I will tell you this. The list of good things, of accomplishments, that we have enjoyed and we have witnessed from President Trump far outweigh those personality quirks and traits and and maybe character flaws and moral failings and so on and so forth that we talk about all the time. The list of accomplishments, the record that we have been able to put together that is benefiting all of us is enormous. And that's why Trump is going to win by landslide in 2020. The American people love this stuff. Jobs are back. Jobs are better. Pay is better. The median and uh, and average wages are higher than they've been in over a decade. Unemployment, the lowest it's been in decades, plural. Unemployment for uh, certain demographics, minority demographics primarily, the lowest they've ever been in recorded history. I mean, all of these things matter, and Trump is going to win. There's a great piece that I already posted on my Facebook page. And if you want to follow me on Facebook, it's called France Radio That's France, F-R-A-N-T-Z, radio. Seven signs Trump will win by landslide in 2020. It's from townhall.com. Read it. I'll share some of it with you. I'm not going to read the entire thing to you. It's too long. But read it, and then you'll know why Jerry Nadler and the the demon rats who are running the Judiciary Committee are so desperate and are going to pull 60 people in, documents and testimony from 60 people to try to prove some obstruction. He knows, and they know, and we all know, that the Mueller report that has been going on for two years, the investigation, that report is going to be a great big nothing burger. No collusion. So they're thinking, crap, what do we have to do now? If Mueller's going to be nothing, we got to find something else. And that's what we'll do with these investigations. Because if we don't get him knocked out of office in this term, in the next two years, he will not be defeated in November of 2020. Mark that down. All right, much more coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's check out. Or pharmacist. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 927 out of the Bob France Authority, continuing on AM 1420. The answer, can I uh, give you a little bit, bit of good news this morning? Maybe you saw this last night. Maybe you heard it in a newscast. Maybe you didn't. But uh, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to the governor of the great state of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, signed 
one of the most important pieces of legislation that a governor can sign. On Friday, after we went off the air, in Iowa, Kim Reynolds signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the union into law. It's the heartbeat legislation that was defeated. No, let me rephrase. That was vetoed by former quote-unquote Republican Ohio Governor John Kasich. The heartbeat legislation. In Iowa, this legislation will ban abortions once a fetal heartbeat has been detected, which usually occurs at roughly six weeks of pregnancy. Exceptions in this particular law in this particular state, are being made in the cases of rape or incest or a medical emergency. Medical emergency is, of course, uh, it's a a term that can be interpreted in a number of different ways. This law is not perfect, but it does. In 90-plus percent of the cases, it will outlaw abortion after the heartbeat has been detected and thus another living being can be proven to exist that it's not just one woman and her body, but another body is now in uh, in play. Republican state lawmakers worked late into the night all last week to push that measure forward during Tuesday's debate uh, in the state house. Representative Sandy Salmon said, a baby has become something we can throw away. This bill says it's time to change the way we think about unborn lives. The bill passed in the state house Tuesday, the state senate early Wednesday. They put it on the governor's desk on Friday, and on Friday, the governor signed it. All I can say now is to new Republican governor in the state of Ohio, Mike DeWine, you're up. It's your turn, sir. The Ohio General Assembly got it done when Kasich was in office. They passed it, and John Kasich stamped it with a veto sign and said, nope, let him die. Governor Mike DeWine has indicated and stated flatly that he will sign such legislation if it gets to his desk. Ohio legislators, Ohio representatives, Ohio senators, get off of your behinds, get this done post-haste. Do it expeditiously. Gentlemen and ladies, please get this done and get it to Mike DeWine's desk. What a great statement this is from Iowa. Let's follow it here in the heartland in Ohio, and let's hope that there will be a domino effect in one state after another, after another, after another. We'll pass similar legislation to recognize. It won't be perfect. It won't be perfect because life does begin at conception. But it will be an enormous life-saving movement that will be underway in the United States saving babies once their heartbeats are detected. I cannot tell you what a great impact this is going to have, and I'm sure you already realize that. Congratulations, Iowa, Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine. It's your turn. We're back after the news. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, 935, now that Bob Brandt's authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. So uh, I want to play a little bit of uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop. In other words, Good POTUS, Bad POTUS uh, this morning, um, at least for a little while. Because I've got some news stories that I want to praise the president with, and I've got some other things that we have to ask some questions about. First of all, the good news. Good cop, bad cop. Good cop, good POTUS, good President Trump. The president of the United States has pledged... University, a university free speech executive order. He is promising to take the safe space 
college-university campus system and turn it inside out. He has promised to stop the banning of conservative speakers from campuses, the banning of conservative students from expressing themselves on college campuses, and the wanton, blatant, one-sided indoctrination with liberal ideology that is practiced on so many college campuses at a risk of loss of federal funding. This again happened at the end of last week after we went off the air on Friday. It's something that we need to bring up today. The president, oh, look at this. Actually, I'm going to correct myself. Not only happened after we got off the air on Friday, it waited until Saturday. The president pledged on Saturday to issue an executive order, not needed, the Congress not needed here, an executive order um, to pr- uh, protecting the right and preserving the right of free speech on college campuses nationwide for students of all political viewpoints. Announced during his two-hour speech at CPAC, the president said the order would require universities to protect free speech in order to remain eligible for federal research grants. I'm proud, said the president, to announce I'll be very soon signing an executive order requiring colleges and universities to support free speech if they want federal research grants. We reject oppressive speech codes, censorship, political correctness, and every other attempt uh, by the hard left to stop people from challenging ridiculous and dangerous ideas. These ideas are dangerous. Instead, we believe in free speech, including online and including on campus. If they want our dollars, and we give it to them by the billions, they've got to allow people like Hayden, and he's speaking specifically of the Cal Berkeley, not student, but the, the uh, young man at Cal Berkeley who was working there uh, with the um, Leadership Institute and with Turning Point USA trying to mobilize and get more conservative students to sign up for their organization. And he got smacked. He got punched repeatedly by a 28-year-old thug who actually had been on the Berkeley campus as a student and is now uh, working in another capacity And by the way, good news is he was finally arrested. Cal Berkeley announced on Friday, again, all this stuff happened after we got off the air Friday, uh, that they had uh, finally found the assaulter who just, I mean, it was caught on camera, it went viral, of course, a brutal beating, quite frankly, of the the, uh, young uh, uh, conservative student, again, or conservative young man who was there trying to work with conservative students to try to mobilize them. Uh, Hayden Williams is his name. And Zachary Greenberg was finally arrested. It took several days, almost, in fact, what, over a week? It had, hold on, it happened on February 19th, and this was done on Friday. See, it was about two weeks. It was two weeks between this caught on camera and vi- went viral. His face easily recognizable and identifiable, and nobody could find him. Why? Because Cal Berkeley administrators and students protected him. They essentially establish a don't stitch or don't snitch policy. Snitches get stitches. Do not rat this guy out. They loved it when he punched and beat up this conservative student, this conservative young man on the, on the UC Berkeley campus. They loved it. They applauded. Some of them went on social media and talked about how great it made them feel to see this conservative kid getting beaten up on live video. They absolutely loved it. And so they decided, we're not going to rat the guy out. We're not going to tell him. We know who he is. We're not going to tell anybody. They finally got him. His name is Zachary Greenberg. 
And he has been booked and has been charged, and he could be facing some serious charges, could be facing serious jail time, although we all know if it's a first offense, and we don't know if that is the case, uh, he probably will not go to prison or go to jail. He should. He absolutely should. He's being charged under the code. Any person who commits an assault upon a person, uh, uh, the person of another, by any means of force, likely to produce great bodily injury, shall be punished by imprisonment in the state prison for two, three to four years, or in a county jail not exceeding one year, or by a fine not exceeding $10,000, or by both fine and imprisonment. So we'll see how that goes. But I don't want to get too far off the track here. The point is, conservative voices are silenced by that kind of thing on campuses all the time. It's a it's a it's an ongoing issue, obviously. So the president, uh, in announcing that that's not going to happen anymore, because if it does, that kind of censorship, that kind of blocking of conservative ideals, especially the kind that are uh, that, that are coupled with assault on conservatives, you are going to lose the uh, the federal grants. If you're wondering what kind of dollars we're talking about, the federal government currently dispenses more than twenty billion dollars annually for university research grants. So if you want dollars from the federal government, Cal Berkeley, UC, Santa Barbara, UCLA, uh, I mean, just pick your Kent State, you pick your college campus, because 99% of them are this way. You are going to have to uh, prove to us that free speech is not being inhibited or prohibited on your campus and that you are indeed allowing all voices to be heard. So that's good cop. President Trump, thank you for that outstanding uh, uh, promise of an executive order. I'm really looking forward to the the uh, learning that he has um, uh, followed through on that and he has implemented such order. He did not say when he will sign such an executive order, but he said it is coming. Let's talk about bad President Trump now. The president also at CPAC, at the same time he was talking about um, uh, uh, promoting and preserving and protecting free speech on college campuses, also decided to break from his past opposition to the country's massive legal immigration system. Instead, he promoted to CPAC a legal immigration system that benefits our corporations. He mentioned he wanted to end the process known as chain migration, which, by the way, has not been ended. I'll get back to that in a moment where newly naturalized citizens can bring in an unlimited number of foreign relatives uh, to the country. But what he did say is about legal immigration, that he wants to expand legal immigration exponentially. Why is this bad, President Trump? I hope you understand that, because it's at the expense of American workers. He said, we need an immigration policy where people coming into our country uh, can love our country and love our fellow citizens. And now we want them to come in, workers to come in, but they have to come in legally and through merit. Over the last two months, the president regularly touted his support for admitting more foreign workers into the country to compete against America's working and middle class for very important jobs. These are not jobs that the left likes to tell you that Americans refuse to do. These are not jobs that are going unfilled or unchallenged for here in and unapplied for here uh, in the United States. Why do we want to bring in foreign competition for American jobs? at the rates that the president is talking about. And what makes it really interesting is this is a reversal of the president's commitment in 2015, 2016, and in 2017. In each of those years, he vowed to reduce overall legal immigration levels in the interest of boosting the wages of U.S. workers. 
You do remember this, right? It's one of the reasons why we supported him. One of the reasons why we elected him. He was once so supportive of reducing the current unfettered foreign labor competition that American workers have been subjected to through legal immigration levels that he pledged to halt all immigration until the country was at full employment. Do you remember that? Before any new green cards are issued to foreign workers abroad, there will be a pause where employers will have to hire from the domestic pool of unemployed immigrant and native workers, he said in his 2015 immigration policy papers. So now there's a massive shift by the president from a wage-boosting legal immigration system to one that benefits corporations and their shareholders that coincides with recent big business lobby influence over his White House at the behest of, you guessed it, Jared Kushner and another advisor, Brooke Rollins. Breitbart reported that an alliance of mostly globalist organizations and business groups are having access to the White House that they previously did not to discuss the national legal immigration policy of the United States. Those groups include Koch Industries, the George W. Bush Center, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the League of the United Nations, uh, I'm sorry, League of United Latin American Citizens, rather. Increasing legal immigration will cut the job prospects of at least 13 million working-age middle-class Americans who are either unemployed not in the labor force but want a job, or who are working part-time jobs but want good-paying full-time jobs. Out of those 13 million who are available for U.S. jobs, about 6.5 million are unemployed. Of those unemployed, close to 13% are American teenagers who are ready for entry-level U.S. jobs, the exact jobs that low-skilled foreign laborers generally tend to take. So we're talking about high school juniors and seniors who in the next year or two are going to be graduating who are not necessarily college material or not interested in going to college and who are going into the workforce. Their competition for the jobs that they want, entry-level labor jobs, is going to be stiffened dramatically if the president follows through with this policy. It's a massive problem, and it's a massive mistake. And moreover, it is a massive backtracking on previous promises from the president. So something is going to have to be done about that. Good cop, bad cop. Good POTUS, bad POTUS. He's doing so many wonderful things. And by the way, none of those unemployment numbers that I just mentioned about the uh, individuals who are unemployed and looking and so on and so forth uh, should undercut the incredible job creation that the president is responsible for and especially the wage increases. I've been talking about this with a lot of people off the air the last few days, including friends in my own house, talking about how the President of the United States is not just creating jobs or creating a climate in which jobs are created that are the Obama-type jobs, the part-time jobs, the low-wage service sector jobs. Obama's job numbers looked great after the uh, coming out of the recession. Slow Slow, slow. The recovery was so very slow coming out of the recession that started in the last Bush, a year of the Bush uh, term. But uh, the job numbers look great. Look at all of the years of, of continued job growth. But the jobs were crap. And Obama said, well, that's the best we can do because we'll never get those manufacturing jobs, those high-paying manufacturing jobs back. They're gone forever. And then, of course, when Trump said, I'll bring them back, he said, what do you got, a magic wand? Well, here we are. They're back. These are good-paying jobs. Average wages are higher than they've been in over a decade. 
including all eight years of the Obama administration. So all of those things are great, but the president is setting a condition now that could very well reverse so many of those gains. By suggesting he wants, and he said this at the State of the Union address uh, at the beginning of last month as well, he wants massive a massive increase in legal immigration while he's continuing to talk about uh, uh, you know working to stop illegal immigration. That will not help American workers. It's a mistake. I would also say this. I do understand the president's dilemma, right? His plight. Because every time he talks about limiting or stopping illegal immigration, building our wall, expanding uh, the number of Customs and Border uh, Patrol agents on the border, expanding the number of ICE agents, uh, ending funding to sanctuary cities, uh, while he's done all of those wonderful things that we support, he is, of course, being called what? He's a racist. He's trying to keep America whiter, make America white again, yada, yada. That's the only reason he opposes uh, illegal immigrants, because most of them are Latinos, et cetera, et cetera. You know the stories. So perhaps the president's dilemma here is, look, um, it's not about their race, which it isn't, of course, because the president is not in any way, shape, or form a racist, no matter what Michael Cohn wants to tell you. But uh, in order to to, to kind of stem those uh, those attacks, and to try to protect himself, perhaps what he's thinking is, you know, we all know that we support legal immigration, so let's announce an expansion of legal immigration, and most of them will also be uh, Hispanic or Latino, to prove that this is not about skin color. This is just about legal versus illegal. I think it's a simplistic point of view, but I think it's something that the president <clears throat> is probably considering. It's one of the considerations, rather, that is leading him to this policy. He's trying to show, look, it's not about race. We welcome them legally. And he said this at CPAC as well. <clears throat> it's not about race or skin color. It is simply about legality. If you come in legally, look, watch us. We'll expand it forever. And while he's doing that as a, you know, as a gesture of, uh, uh, of, of goodwill toward people of all races and to try to eliminate those accusations that his policies are based on race, he is omitting, uh, he's leaving out the consideration of American workers who are going to be in competition for those jobs. All right, so there's good and there's bad, and I got more on that too. I welcome you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five right after this on AM fourteen twenty. Attention, social justice warriors! If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Got a uh, tweet from Andy who says, at France Radio, please tell us you'll get to speak with Chuck Todd. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you the good news. Uh, no, um, I found out uh, from Jim that his regular hit with uh, Hugh Hewitt is on Thursdays. I thought it was Wednesdays. I don't keep track of his schedule. I can barely keep track of my own. But, um, no, I'll be sitting in for Hugh Hewitt tomorrow and Wednesday, and Chuck Todd's regular hit with Hugh is on Thursday, so I will not get an opportunity to converse with the partisan liberal host of NBC's Meet the Press. Uh, Mark Davis will be on that day as he was today. He'll be on to, uh, today. Well, I'm sorry, he was on today. He'll be on Thursday and Friday as well, so he'll have uh, uh, the first crack at Chuck Todd. Hopefully another day, though. Hopefully another day when I get to sit in for Hugh, uh, I'll be able to time time that up. I certainly look forward to that opportunity. All right, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers will get you in. Rick is calling us from down in Nashville, Tennessee, on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hey, Rick, go ahead. 
Hey, thanks a lot for your show, Bob. Yes, sir. Uh, in regards to what the president wants to do uh, with withholding funds, uh, federal funding from the universities, he cannot do that. Uh, those mo- those funds have already been earmarked for those institutions. According to the Constitution, I think the only way he can hold, withhold funds is if they violate some kind of a civil rights law. Well, I I don't know because I don't have um like I don't think the the executive order has been written yet because he just kind of he kind of released this uh, at CPAC. But my guess is what he is talking about would be a civil rights violation. I mean, it's it's a First Amendment <laughs> violation is what it is in saying if they are limiting the rights of people to have free speech based on their uh uh you know whether it be based on race or creed or ideology. If free speech is being abridged, uh, then they are violating the law and thus could be, you know, subject to withholding of federal laws. At least that's the way I'm understanding the, you know, the original uh, statement. Well, I'm sure if he would enact such a thing, it would certainly be challenged by the Democrats. It would end up in courts. And uh, the like thing everything is, else he does, like everything else right, he does. I'm just- Right. I mean, exactly. I know I I'm get just, it. I, I understand. I do. But, but I mean, you know, pretty much anything he says or does, they challenge in court because it's the only way they can. Uh, they, you know, they have no answers to him. They have no way to stop him and they have no way to even uh, legislate out legislate him. Uh, so, yeah, they challenge everything he does in courts. You're, you're I'm just right. basing would do my that, but it would be worth it. it. It would be worth the effort, I think. Don't you? I agree with you. It would. He also said that, you know, if, if uh, the cities become sanctuary cities, and instructed law enforcement not to in, to enforce federal uh, immigration laws that he would withhold funding. And as to date, he hasn't withheld any funding to any sanctuary city. So, well, that is also up. That, that is also being held up in the courts. That, to my understanding, that is all because he did indeed make that statement and did indeed order that to be the case. Immediately, there was a lawsuit. I can't remember which cities were first or states, but there was a lawsuit, and I think that's going through the appeals process right now. So you're right; it ha- you know he haven't been able to do that because um, of the uh, uh, because of the lawsuits. But I think that is something that is eventually going to end up in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, I hope so. I do too. I do too, and, and, okay. and I hope the court is the right uh, <laughs> has the right makeup when it does. Uh, but well, uh, but well, yeah, Rob, no, you're 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 hundred percent right, Rick. Justice. Those those things are difficult to do. They're going to be challenged in court. But then again, what alternative do we have? We have to do the right, right thing, and then if we have to go to court to prove that it was the right thing, then then so be it. Exactly. Thanks a lot for your time. You got it, Rick. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate that. No, it's not going to be easy. Um, and, and I don't know exactly where the, the lawsuits stand right now or what stage of the appellate process they are, but Attorney General, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions did indeed, uh, declare that uh, funding was going to be withheld from various cities that declared themselves to be sanctuary and did not cooperate with ICE. Uh, and law enforcement, local law enforcement cooperating with federal law enforcement. And there was a lawsuit almost immediately saying you can't do that. And I'm, I believe it was, you know, there was a stay, uh, an injunction granted. And uh, it's just a matter of, of taking that to the next level. And this is, of course, what's going to happen with, uh, you know, with the emergency uh, declaration as well. By the way, speaking of the emergency declaration, I wish I could understand what Rand Paul is. I really do. The Rand Paul tweeted in support of the president's um, getting funding to build the border wall. He is 100% supportive of the border wall. Then when the president declares a national emergency to get more funding for the border wall that Rand Paul supported, Rand Paul announced over the weekend 
he will be voting against the national emergency that the president declared at the southern border. He told his crowd on Saturday night at Western Kentucky University that he can't vote to give extra constitutional powers to the president. Rand Paul is a bipolar... Let's just stop there. He's bipolar. He really is. You can't tell if he supports the president and supports uh, a national sovereignty and border protection or if he doesn't. It is simply amazing. The law, the way the... the um, uh, national emergency has been written, and if you've read it, most people have not. It is absolutely 100% constitutional for the, for the president to declare this national emergency based on a host of issues that are outlined in the national emergency, all very easily defensible. And Rand Paul is turning against the president. You cannot trust, and this, by the way, Rand Paul is so frustrating because Rand Paul is the guy who is the isolationist, Right? the non-interventionist to the point of isolationism when it comes to foreign affairs. He doesn't want our troops stationed around the world. He has said repeatedly, bring those troops home and have them defend American borders. So he sounds like he is for, excuse me, defending American borders. He doesn't want our troops in Syria, doesn't want them in Afghanistan, doesn't want them in Iraq, doesn't want them in Iran, doesn't want them anywhere that they might be serving around the globe. Bring them home. Stop intervening in foreign affairs and just defend our borders. And now here's an opportunity to cast a vote in support of defending our borders, and Rand Paul's going to vote no. This guy does not, he's not, it's, it's just not a full deck. A couple of cards short. I don't know where he is. I don't know why he's so bipolar, but he is. Congressman Jim Jordan is going to join me right after the news on AM 1420.